That's right. The guy's always holding up the sign, John 3.16. Somebody's always got it. Um, I was in a class in college. I forget what it was. Some, some religion class. And uh, I studied religion at a public school. So there you go. Take that for what it's worth. And um, they had the verse that summed up all of Christianity in this one class was John 14.6 which is on the way of the truth and life, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. And a guy at the start of class one week stood up and protested the book and protested the whole class because he said that if you were going to sum up all of Christianity in one verse, it should be John 3.16. And, you know, there's Christians in the class, there's, there's uh, open-minded atheists in the class, that's what they'd call themselves. <laughs> There's a whole, you know, there's people in the class taking it for general education credit because they got to have humanities on their engineering degree or whatever. And uh, this guy's giving a speech about John 3.16. And it really, I still think about that and I think, wow, that's really wild. For one, that they would sum up all of Christianity in one Bible verse. Which Bible verse would you pick, right? I think that's how denominations are made. They would all pick a different one. And the other part was, how stuck we are on John 3.16, that it's the big deal, that it's the, like it says it all in John 3.16. As we'll talk today, there's a whole lot more around John 3.16. John 3.16 doesn't say it all. It's really awesome. It's really good. There's truth in it. But man, you got to have 17 in there too. You got to have 18 and 19. So there's a whole Bible here. So don't, you know, I don't know if the guys should hold up a sign that says, read your Bible. Instead of John 3.16, I don't know if that'll work, but um, we're going to, so we're going to try to cover all of John today, including John 3.16. So it starts out with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is this guy, and he comes to talk to Jesus at night. And Nicodemus, um, just going to totally spoil the story for you, okay? Nicodemus shows up a couple more times. This is where he shows up first. He's going to show up later when the Sanhedrin is meeting. He is a member of the Sanhedrin. And that was a a council of Jewish men that would like decide the laws and and preside over judgments. And they could only meet during the daytime, which is a big deal when they meet at night and convict Jesus and right sentence him to death. He's in the Sanhedrin and he comes up later and he's like, guys, maybe, Je- maybe this guy isn't so bad. And he's actually defending Jesus a little bit, kind of passively, but kind of still doing it right there amongst the Sanhedrin. He comes up again at the very end of the story because he is one of the people that helps lay Jesus's body in the tomb. How's that for a while? So, Nicodemus doesn't know it at this point, but at the end of the story, he is going to be there on Good Friday, what we would call Good Friday, preparing for the Passover by preparing Jesus' body and and doing the burial, doing the Jewish burial practices on Jesus' dead body. Pretty wild. So he comes at night. There's all kinds of speculation as to why he came at night. Um, Some people say it's symbolic that he walked around in darkness and he wasn't seeing light. 
Some people say he came in secret. I like the more practical and um, like culturally present idea that people didn't sit around and talk during the day. When you had daylight, you worked. You, didn't, you couldn't turn on the light and work into the night. So as long as there was daylight, you were doing your job. And when the lights went out, when the sun went down, that was the time to sit around and talk about cool stuff. Another cool thing is that nighttime was traditionally when rabbis would study the scriptures. They would study it at night because they were less likely to be interrupted. Because business, commerce, isn't going on. This is like if you've ever driven down Green River Road on Christmas Eve. It's pretty barren, right? It's nothing compared to driving down Green River Road during the Super Bowl. It's completely dead. It's like, where are the zombies? Nothing. So if I said Nicodemus came to talk to Jesus during the Super Bowl, you'd be like, what? I mean, shouldn't they be watching the Super Bowl? And you'd read all this stuff into it. Well, what if it was also because there's no traffic on the street? It's just they know they're not going to be disturbed. Nobody's going to call them and interrupt them. It's not that bad. But one reason that he could have come at night was just so they wouldn't be interrupted. You could sit and have a good long conversation. So he comes. Man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So he reveals a little bit. Now, is Nicodemus speaking for the whole Sanhedrin? Not necessarily. Because, you know, they're trying to send guards to arrest him and all that business. But at the same time, he says nobody could do the stuff you're doing unless God sent him. So we think you might be a prophet. We know prophets are a little bit off the wall and prophets have their problems and their issues. And not all prophets are holy and righteous and obedient. Right? Because Jonah didn't do what he was told. Um, there, there are other prophets that, that would you know, kind of flip back and forth. Am I going to follow God? Am I going to be a false prophet? That whole thing. So they had that through their history. So he's like, we know you're from God. We don't know how good you're doing at your job being sent from God, but we know God's with you. Jesus answers him. Truly, truly, I say to you, truly, truly is like, oh, you betcha. It's like, you know it. It's a, it's a affirming yes. I'm telling you, unless somebody is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus says, we know you're from God because nobody could do the stuff that you're doing unless they came from God. And Jesus says, yes, you're right. Unless you're born all over again, you can't see the kingdom of God. It's, it's in context. It's, it's a reply. It's not just an out there, nowhere, uh, Jesus holding up two fingers and saying it, looking like a stained glass window. It's in the context of, yes, you're right. I am from God. If you're born all over again, if you're born as a new person, as a new creation, you can see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says to him, how can a man be born when he's old? How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So, 
we don't experience this. We're in southern Indiana. But if you ever get to be around a bunch of fiery, argumentative, Jewish old people, this is not so alien. Okay? Um, maybe we get a, a little taste of this from movies. You know, what do I look like? You know, um, if you ask me to, you know, what's the weather going to be? What do I look like? Some kind of weatherman? You know, if I said that, that would be really silly. But you get this kind of fiery thing. How am I supposed to be born all over again? What am I supposed to do? go be carried for nine months by my mom again? What are, are you talking crazy? This is just like, this doesn't make any sense. What do you mean be born all over again? Jesus answered, truly, yes, that's right. Right, right on, Nicodemus. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. What he's trying to say to Nicodemus is, I'm talking about spiritual stuff. And I need, I need to push back on you to figure out if you're just trying to trap me and trick me, or if you're really sincerely wanting to know what we're talking about here. I think, I think Jesus is poking Nicodemus to see if he's done. He's poking him to see how, how receptive are you going to be to what I'm talking about? So Nicodemus is like, we know you're from God. Because nobody could talk like you if they weren't from God. Jesus says, you're right. I am from God. And the only way that you'll be able to see the things of God is you just have to have, be a totally different person. Your whole DNA has to change. Your whole, your whole being of who you are has to change. Nicodemus says, well, how can I change when I'm old? How can I understand any of this stuff? Jesus says back to him, oh, this is all, this is spiritual, man. You are, you are living in this flesh, physical world. And I'm talking about stuff that's on a whole different level of where you are. See, stuff that's physical is only going to understand physical. And by the spirit of God, you're going to understand bigger stuff. So here's how the, here's how the Jewish people did things. Everything was by a law. There were 613 laws. And there was a law written out of how you should pray before a meal. And instead of the over... Oh, look at this plate of food. Look at this food that's here before me. I just want to rejoice in God and praise His name for this food. No. You recite this. And you recite it and you follow the law of how to recite this prayer. Do not do this emotional thing. And it was very, very structured. And then it wasn't intended to be that way in the beginning, but that's what it turned into. So they would do the thing. Uh, it's kind of like when people pray the Lord's Prayer so fast that you don't even know what just happened. But they prayed it. And you're like, dude, I don't even know what you just, were you praying in tongues? What was that? It's just the Lord's Prayer. Well, they did it. So the Jews had turned into such a, a hard-hearted, Isaiah talks about them. 
having hearts of stone, that they were so hard-hearted they were just doing the actions. And their hearts were far away from God, but all their actions were doing it, doing it, doing it. And so Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, if, it, if you're thinking this is all about what you do and checking stuff off, you're never going to understand the spiritual side of this. And that's what Nicodemus was trying to get. So then Jesus says, it's like wind. You can't see the wind. You can't watch the wind. You can only see the effects of the wind. So if you're looking for the kingdom of God, you're not going to see it. You're going to see the effects of the kingdom of God. You're going to see the effects of the Holy Spirit. That's the whole, when the, when the uh, Holy Spirit came down like a dove on John the Baptist. It wasn't a dove, but it was like it. And you could see something. John the Baptist saw something come down onto Jesus and stay on him. So he says, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I said you have to be born again. On the one hand, he's saying, you know, you could read this as, don't be amazed that I said you have to be born all over again. You have to be born all over again. You have to be a new creation. The other way you could read this is, don't get hung up that I said that. Don't get hung up on birth and, you know, pregnancy and nine months and labor. Okay, here's a parable. You have to be born of water and the Spirit. Let's try a new parable. Water and the Spirit. It's a whole new thing. Nicodemus was familiar with baptism. I think I talked about this before. The rabbis practiced baptism as a putting off of old and and a new being here, right? Sometimes it was ceremonial cleansing. Sometimes it was a dip. So he understands the water of baptism. Putting off of the old... And the Holy Spirit coming and making you new. So Jesus is trying to give him a little bit different parable. And it's like wind. Nicodemus replies, how can these things be? Nicodemus is still not getting it. But I think right at this point, Nicodemus is revealing that he is really trying to figure it out. That he's not a Sanhedrin spy sent to trick Jesus. Like has, has happened before. I think at this point, Nicodemus is like, how can this be? Like, what? How, how, does it, how does it work? I think he's really genuinely saying it. Jesus pokes him one more time. Are you a teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know. We bear witness to what we've seen, but you don't receive our testimony. He's saying... Nicodemus, I have told you, I have, I, I have told you firsthand teaching from where I got it. And he doesn't play the father card in here, but he will. And you're not, you're not getting it. You're not listening. I've told you earthly things and you don't believe. How can you believe heavenly things? Okay, the earthly things were things like the Sermon on the Mount. If somebody smacks you on the face, turn to them your other cheek. If somebody steals from you, you know, if somebody asks for your coat, give them your shirt too. 
Those are the very earthly, practical, tangible activities that Jesus has taught. And he didn't get those. Then Jesus drops the bomb. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. The Son of Man was, is the, another word for the Messiah, as mentioned in Daniel. So now Jesus is starting to pull out these Old Testament prophet references about himself. No one has ever seen God. Nobody's ever been there to see God except the Son of Man. And Nicodemus knows when Jesus says Son of Man, he's referring to himself. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus is not getting it. Jesus pokes him a couple times to see if you're testing him. Nicodemus finally lets out this, how does this work? Jesus pushes him a little bit more, and then he realizes Nicodemus is an old school, Old Testament, studied, learned rabbi. He's going to have to talk to him like he is this old studied rabbi. And so he refers back to Moses, and he says, just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, the Son of Man has to be lifted up. So whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. That is going to get Nicodemus thinking. That's going to speak, that is totally speaking Nicodemus' language because he's looking for the fulfillment of what Moses said. All right, so with that, we're not going to go a long time here, but we'll be here a little bit. Hold your finger on John 3 and flick back to Numbers 21. And Numbers 21 is the serpent in the desert. So all the people are wandering in the wilderness and they grumble against the Lord. From Mount Hor, they set out by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom and the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no food, no water, and we loathe this worthless food. So here is a situation. There's a whole bunch of people. God has very clearly and plainly plopped salvation right there in their laps among them. And they don't get it. Am I talking about the Sanhedrin and Jesus, or am I talking about the Hebrews wandering in the desert being rescued? I'm talking about both. It's both things are happening. So Jesus brings this up. Because remember, whenever you mention one little part of the Old Testament to these, these guys that really know the Scriptures, they bring all the context with it. So when Jesus mentions the snake in the desert, Nicodemus is going to think in his head, oh, all these people were grumbling against God and against Moses. They're saying, why have you brought us out here? Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, poisonous snakes. And they bit the people so that many of Israel died. The people came to Moses and said, we have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he'll take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people 
the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, will live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, they would look at the bronze serpent and live. So here's the grumblers, the unbelievers, and they're grumbling against God. God sends snakes. God sends hardship, turmoil, judgment. They cry out to the Lord. He says, make this bronze serpent put up and whoever looks at it. Right. What was that last line? If a serpent is bit, he would, um, whoever would look at it would live. And so Jesus says, the Son of Man, it's just like that, Nicodemus. Everybody's grumbling. Nobody's appreciating the salvation. God sends judgment. And just 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God loves the world. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. It's just like that bronze serpent in the wilderness. People are bit, and it doesn't matter if they were grumbling. If they were part of the grumblers or not, they got bit. And that's not fair. Well, I mean, they got delivered from Egypt. That was pretty awesome, right? It would still be awesome even if they did die in the desert as free people that they weren't slaves anymore. But no, God sends a a rescue that whoever looks at it gets healed. I mean, incidentally, if you were in that, there's five million people, there's poisonous snakes everywhere, and you hear that there's a snake on a pole that if you just look at it, you get healed. Wouldn't you want to get as close to that as you could? Wouldn't you want to be as close to that serpent on a pole as you could get to be saved? Because what if you get bit again? What if you get bit again? What if you get bit again? You want to be able to look at that thing all the time. And just think, the more you look at it, at some point it doesn't even, you don't even care if you get bit. Big deal. Oh, healed again. Good. I am so glad that thing is there. That's Jesus. Jesus says, I'm just like that. I'm just like that. Whoever looks at me, because they're not going to look at it unless they believe that it's going to heal. Whoever believes in him, doesn't matter how many times they got bit, doesn't matter whether they deserved it or not. If they look, they're healed. And that's what Jesus is saying. Just like Moses, whoever believes in that snake got healed. Whoever believes in the Son of Man will have eternal life. That was an act of love. So God sends the serpents, and you think, oh, God must really hate those people to send all those serpents. They weren't paying attention. They had completely left any thought of God, and they were just complaining. So God got their attention by sending the fiery serpents, and then gave them salvation. It's not that God wanted a whole bunch of people to die in the wilderness from poison snakes. He didn't want them to die eternally for ignoring God. That's the whole uh, endure hardship as discipline. God's treating you as His sons. 
in Hebrews. So it was God's love that sent that serpent on a pole, had Moses build it, make it, so that people could look at it and be saved and recognize, oh my gosh, God saves us. Oh my gosh, Jesus, whenever we look to him, whoever believes in him will not perish. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That that brass snake on a pole wasn't condemnation. That brass snake on the pole was salvation. Jesus is saying, I'm not the serpent that came to bite people in that story, in that event. That event points to me. I'm not the serpent biting people. I'm, I'm the serpent on a pole that whoever looks at it will be saved. You know who the serpent is, Nicodemus. He says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. This is the judgment. Light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than light because their works were evil. Everyone who does wicked things hates the light, doesn't come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. I have a couple of friends that have quit becoming, being Christians. And they were awesome Christians, and they give all of these reasons on why they're not Christians anymore. And I can look right through it all, and it's just plain as day. And it's like, no, it's because you want to cheat on your wife. It's sin. It's you love darkness. You're denying all this stuff to justify it, but this is the sin. Sometimes there are people that love darkness. And, and they, they have all kinds of excuses and reasons and, and justifications and things. And I have two ways that I treat them. And two ways that I deal with those. And it depends on our relationship and it depends on the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it's just to say, you know what, this isn't about if you can prove the originality of the manuscripts of the New Testament. It's that you're unhappy in your marriage and you're being selfish. Right? I mean, and just to level with the people and to say, is it that? I mean, can we have intellectual honesty to just establish that? Or completely just be there. And be like, you know what? I'm not going to argue the Bible with you. I'm not going to argue religion with you. I know what I know is true. And by following it, I have seen it play out to be true. And I think if you play this out, you will find that it goes the wrong way. End of the story, rest of the story. I have one friend that I confronted and I said, I think you want to do this. And he is still off. I have another friend that I said, I don't know if you're going the right way. I'm going to stay my way. And he's actually come back. Neither one of them were my fault. There's, I'm, I'm not in the midst of it with them. But, um, you know, having discernment, having discernment to see just like Jesus and Nicodemus. You know, Nicodemus is still on this spiritual, non-spirit, physical level. You say I have to be born all over again. What am I going to do? Get gestationed nine months over again and be a new person? No, Nicodemus. 
You get dipped in the water, you leave the past behind you, and there's this spirit that comes and lives in you. And you can't understand that as long as you're just playing by rules. There's this spiritual thing. So, it takes discernment, right? Sometimes people throw up all the physical stuff as a shield to block themselves from the spiritual thing that's going on. And there is a spiritual thing going on. So, people love darkness. They don't want stuff to be exposed. The other thing is, I will just tell you, there are a whole bunch of people that are longing for light. And if you show them just a little bit of light, just a glimmer, they grab onto that and they seek it. Um, We have some friends, they walk by this guy walking in the parking lot, and our friends feel like saying to the guy, we're Christians. Pretty random, right? How often do you say, hey, we're Christians? The guy says, I don't care. Good for you. He gets in the car. Guess what? He just took God's bait. Because when he said that, he was suddenly convicted of how far from God he was. That he would smart off to Christians. Perfectly good, normal, kind, friendly Christians like that. He jumps out of the car and he says, hey, 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 come back. I'm sorry. I I shouldn't have said that. So they go back and talk to him. And he starts crying about and, and thinking about how far from the church and how far from God he has become, that that would be his response. So my friends are like, hey, you know, they had this awesome conversation with him. They talked for a while. They're like, where do you live? He's like, I live right over here. They said, can we come back and visit you in a week? They come back and visit the guy in a week. Guess what he says? All right, guys, I think this has turned into a thing. I want to go out on the greenway. And just walk along and witness to people and tell them God loves them and God cares about them. And I want to tell everybody I can that God loves them and that they should they should seek after God. Radical. There are people that love darkness because they want to hide their sin. And they want to continue in their sin. There's a whole lot more people that are longing for a little bit of light and want to grab onto it and go. So am I saying, if somebody is resistant to the gospel, you should abandon them and not continue to witness to them? No. But gosh, don't let that get you bogged down. Statistically, the Pew Research Center says 80% of Southern Indiana claims that they're Christians. Let's find them and fan that flame. People love darkness because they can hide their sin. There's a whole bunch of other people that are just longing longing for some kind of light. Whoever comes, does what is true, comes to the light so it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. That guy and his attitude and his turnaround and his little revival that's happening is all God. Nobody could blame that on anything else. Nobody could take credit. His job didn't change. He didn't switch up his medications God has done this. All right, so how in the world are we going to finish chapter 3? Guess what? The whole second half of chapter 3 is John the Baptist saying everything that Jesus said in the first half of John chapter 3. But they're not together. They're 
You know, so John's baptizing people and some of the Jewish people come up to him and they go, hey, dude, you know, that one dude that used to be following you, he's now baptizing people upstream from you. What do you think about that? So the Jewish leaders, either they don't understand and they just, oh, now everybody's baptizing people. Is this what we got going on now? Right. They just don't understand what's going on. Or they're genuinely trying to sow some some separation and some dissent. Hey, this guy, he's upstaged you. More people are going to him than you now. And it says the the Jewish leaders are the ones that that brought this up. A discussion between John's disciples and a Jew over purification. John the Baptist. Totally awesome. Greatest of anyone ever born, says Jesus, but the least in the kingdom of heaven says, yes, he is baptizing people and he is going to be greater and I'm going to be less. He basically said, oh yeah, he's baptizing people and you should really go see him. You can hang out with me if you want to, but you should really go talk to Jesus. Go that way. Totally, he must increase, I must decrease, he says. Then John says, he, this is a, John 3.31 He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. This is the same conversation. There's flesh and there's spirit. There's above and there's... Because remember they thought there were three levels of, of the world. Good, holy, heaven, earth, and hell, underworld, right? So that's where they get there, above and below. He who comes from above is above all. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, but nobody receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. This is just like Jesus in verse 21. Whoever does what is true comes to the light. John the Baptist says, whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, and he gives the Spirit without measure. He gives the Spirit. He does not hold back. Do you ever see kids share food? And they watch like a hawk, how much am I giving you? Can I have some Skittles? Three. I don't even get every flavor of Skittle if you give me three Skittles, right? That's measured. God gives without measure. Oh, you want Skittles? He does the, the uh, grandma bag of Skittles dump, right? He whom God has sent utters the words of God. He gives the spirit without measure. The father loves the son and has given all things into his head. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains upon him. It's the same thing as John 3.16. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever looks to the thing that God has sent to give salvation for the people in the desert in Numbers 21, God sent this, you know, had Moses make this bronze serpent. Whoever looked at that was saved. Whoever looks at Jesus is saved. Whoever believes in Him and again, just like in John 3, 17, 18, 
Whoever doesn't believe is already condemned. Doesn't mean it's hopeless. Doesn't mean we're going to call it now. That dude over there doesn't believe he's condemned. No, don't do that. But whoever looks on it will be saved. What does that do? What is, what is that? How does that change all of a sudden? When we talk about different things, when we talk about um, you know politics, when we talk about oh these these hot point controversies, when we talk about you know. What, what's the right way to do this? The right, wrong way to do that? How does it change when whoever looks at Jesus is saved? Whoever. Um, I knew a guy that whenever someone would ask him, do you think the rapture is going to happen before the tribulation or after the tribulation? He would say, I'm pro-life. Just, and they were like, what? He was like, I don't know. Let's pick something to divide on. If that's what you want to do, if you want to, if you want to have this discussion, I'd really just like to talk about Jesus. So whenever somebody came at him with this divisive, you know, let's figure out another topic, let's figure out another thing, he kind of just slapped him in the face and got their attention. You got to be born all over again and have a new body, Nicodemus. What? Totally crazy. Why? To get it back to this, this very simple thing. Jesus was trying to get to Nicodemus's heart. He was trying to get to the heart of the matter that this is spiritual stuff. This is not about law. This is a real, a totally new life that's, that's as unable to be seen as the wind, but the effects of it are obvious and will be seen. And you can see it, Nicodemus. Whoever looks at me will see it. And then, of course, John the Baptist says the same thing. It's exciting. So, in the things that we're in, right? In the controversies that we're a part of, or we see the things that we think about and we worry about, those are all serpents biting us. The devil comes to steal and kill and destroy. This is John 10.10. Jesus said, the devil comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that you would have life to the fullest. The full life is that life that can walk through a whole sea of poisonous snakes, unafraid, looking, and being healed continually. Right? How boss would that guy have been? If you're out there in the wilderness, there's all these people getting bit by snakes, and you're grieving, and people are dying, and you're just like, wait a minute, I can totally walk around with no fear, no shame, no danger, know nothing if I just keep looking at that. I can get bit by all of them. Bring it on. I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Oh, there's another one. I'm healed. That's how Jesus compares Himself in our life. Isn't that wild? Alright. Let's pray. Lord, we praise You that You have rescued us from death. And we praise you that you have cut to our hearts through, uh, through the controversy of the law that Nicodemus is bringing up, through the controversy of, of who's the most popular and who's the best that comes up with John the Baptist. You're the best, Lord. You're the best overall. And we want to look to you continuously for our constant healing and our constant salvation 
And we want to hold you up. We want to lift you up, Jesus, that whoever looks to you can be healed too. Thank you, Lord. Amen.